first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the Gentlemen Golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Yes, we've been on a little bit of a break. Well, let's going to call this uh, the start of season three. Season one was last year when we started. We had a little bit of a break around Christmas and uh, just a little bit of a break before our Melbourne lockdown. Yes, for those of you listening around the world that are being vaccinated and now playing golf at will, and I even see Las Vegas has opened back up. But uh, us Melbourneites here, not to get any pity from you, but us Melbourneites here are locked down. We're not, there's no golf, but um, we are back podcasting for season three of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host, and ably sitting opposite the other host, the Golf Rules Questions guru, Blakey. Why, why did we have a break? You've been doing other projects. Uh, yeah, so I was forced to take some annual leave from my normal job. Uh, and so took some leave just basically sitting around my own house, but also uh, got up to uh, the farm or a friend's farm up on the border of the Victoria New South Wales border and just east of Albury and uh, yeah enjoyed my little time out there in the sunshine and uh, you know lots of big open space chasing bulls sheep cows what were you doing uh, yeah we had uh, cows to look after obviously they're in calving uh, stage at the moment so just making sure that they were feeding properly and looking after their their babies, their calves, and uh, and then also sent off some cows and some stairs to the works as well. Well, there you go. He's not only the guru of golf, he's not only a man about town down here in Melbourne, but uh, if, he's, uh, if you're looking for him, you'll probably find him on the land getting his hands dirty. Going back to your roots, you're a farmer, farmer of origin, is that not right? Uh, yeah, I grew up around farming. Um, wouldn't say I was much of a farmer back then. Uh, country boy, uh, but city slicker was pretty easy to merge into for me. But uh, yeah, certainly you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Well said. Hey, so what's happened while you've been away? You've still been keeping your hands in the uh, golf rules questions. Uh, social media pie you've many many videos gone up uh not something not any podcasts obviously but a lot of posts videos on the youtube what's our current subscriber rate on the youtube site there blakey give us an update for those that are following on for this somewhat uh measurement for us to you know give ourselves permissions to go playing golf in far off places where are we at yeah so we've uh, hit some pretty good mile or we hit a pretty good milestone uh, just after we released the last podcast, so we're up to ten. We got to the ten thousand mark uh, of subscribers on YouTube, and now we're at eleven point two 
thousand subscribers on YouTube, which is fantastic. And you know, I never thought we'd sort of even get to ten thousand, but um, it just keeps rolling along, so going really well. And you know, we're we're just a service here to educate the golfers on what's happened on TV and what um, how the process is for situations that happen in the future. Well, let's keep cracking on. Thanks for joining us back for season three, episode forty. Episode 39, we probably left everyone with a bit of a cliffhanger. It was like a great TV series, you know, like when it ends at a certain point and you just want to know what happens next. Well, with our golf rules question of the week, it was a little bit like that because it was a doozy of a question. I've had to read it 17 times to get my head around it. So if you were waiting for the response, hopefully you've had a bit more time to digest it and we're going to try and run through the question and give you the answer of the last episode's golf rules question of the week. So I'm going to read it again. Listen carefully because it's one that you'll have to follow if you get want to get to the answer. So let's let me read Blakey because you know that is one of the two roles that I have. One's pressing the record button, the other one's reading the question. Okay, a group of four players having a good day until they get to the par five seventh hole from the tee. Player A and player B slice their balls into the right rough. Player C and player D hit an okay shot down the middle of the fairway. The second shot. Player B arrives in the right rough and plays a ball, which he hits somewhat across the fairway to the rough on the left-hand side. Player A arrives and plays a ball from near where player B played his shot and hits down the right side of the fairway. Player C hits the second shot into the rough on the left-hand side of the fairway, a similar place to where player B just hit his shot to. Player D hits his shot down the middle again, third shot. Player B arrives in the left rough and hits the ball to the green. Player C, from a similar place in the rough, hits the ball to the green. Player A arrives at his ball to play his third shot and announces, I've hit the wrong ball at the green. When they hear player A call about hitting the wrong ball, players B and C proceed to the green, then mark and examine the balls they played. Both player B and player C announce, Oh, we've hit the wrong ball too. So, if you followed that, ending also including my funny voices, what's the answer, David? Uh, yeah, so the answer is, and I have to preface this with, there were no other balls on the golf course and uh, not any stray balls or any other players' balls from any other holes. Uh, they, these are the only four balls on the golf course. Uh, player A hit the run, uh, hit one wrong ball and incurs a general penalty. He must go back to his where his tee shot came to rest, um, which is obviously moved. Uh, he'd be lying three playing his fourth. Player B hit two wrong balls, but only incurs one general penalty as the second wrong ball was a related act, uh, a continuance. And player B must go back to where his tee shot landed, lying three, uh, now playing his fourth. And obviously his ball was moved as well by player A. Uh, Player C hit one wrong ball uh, that was of player it was that it's technically actually player A's ball um, but it was the one that player B hit there in the first place uh, they incur one general penalty and must go back to where uh, their second shot came to rest uh, now lying four and will be playing their fifth and obviously player D incurs no penalties for hitting it all the way down the middle of the hole a bit of a doozy that one yeah uh, actually someone um, wrote that into me uh, one of my good friends, David Roberts. So uh, it wasn't, I, I sort of bastardized it a little bit, but then obviously left out a little bit of information as well that was required to answer it. 
but yeah, no, it's just talking, you know, it's just mainly talking about hitting a wrong ball and what the penalty is and what you do. Um, once you've uh, you found out you've hit a wrong ball, you you got to go back and you got to find your ball. Obviously, in this case, everyone else's everyone's ball was basically moved, so they all can just pick up the balls, swap them around, and then replace them on the estimated spot where their ball was uh, at rest from their shot. So, yeah, easy. Well, let me hope you never find yourself in a group where that amount of uh, lost ball carnage happens. Uh, always great to identify your ball and have identifying marks on your ball. As one of the morals out of that little story, try and identify your ball. If you're hitting into the same spots as other people, Identify your ball, people. There you go, and you'll avoid these situations. You, if you get a little logoed ball, like a little golf horse questions, or uh, my love of golf, or a little bomb, uh, a rocket, um, you know, it's a lot probably a lot easier to identify that as your own ball. Well, if anyone wants a golf rules questions logo, dozen balls, just uh, send your orders across to Blakey, and he'll he'll uh, order them up for you. Of course, at, at at charge, a small charge for the logo, but if you do, uh, if you do want some of those, yeah, Blakey, he he knows a man that can make that happen. Um, the the bomb, the bomb. Well, that's that's exclusive. I think there was only one ever print run of the bomb, Blakey, and I might have lost them all. So, if you want a bomb, uh, a ball with um, Melbourne's uh, Dan Morsley design tattoo artist bomb on the side, like a bomb with a ball in there, you've got to go to Peninsula Kingswood and find them. Predominantly around the third, sixth, fourteenth. Uh, 18th on the left uh, for a big snappy hook. You'll find them all there. Uh, anyway, we we digress and in um, in jest as well. So there's quite a few tournaments that have happened, but uh, none bigger than the uh, monumental win of Phil Mickelson's PGA Major at the tender age of approaching 51. I'm not sure if Phil's just turned 51 or about to, but uh, he's certainly been living the life and letting everyone know that hey, I just won the PGA. Uh, that was probably the biggest event that happened in the little sabbatical that you had up there, Jason the Cows, uh, and was packed with uh, a number of scenarios and a few of them revolving around Phil. So, do you want to talk about some of those, David? Yeah, let's uh, let's go through them. Obviously, there were a fair few tournaments, as you said, and um, we had lots of uh, videos that we've put up onto YouTube with uh, an explanation, a bit of commentary. Uh, but uh, just for the podcast, we'll go through some of our main ones, especially from the PGA Tour. All right. Uh, so sorry, the PGA Championship. So I'll play these ones that uh, you've uh, clipped up for us and uh, follow along, listen in. It's a commentary from the videos. And uh, this first one revolves around Phil dropping on the putting green. So let me play that for you right now. Fortunately, he's up on the edge of the green. Things are firmed up on the golf course, that's why that just trickles in. That's a 13. He's trying to get some clarification where last crossed the hazard. He's put the peg in the ground five yards short of that sprinkler hat. Talk through that one, Bucky. Yeah, well, this is a really good one uh, for me. One of my favorite rulings. Uh, Phil's on the thing, it was the 13th hole in round three. Hit his no, sorry, it was the 13th hole, round four, because uh, he was playing with Brooks Kepka, who we see in the video a little bit. Uh, so go to the YouTube and check the whole thing out. But uh, he's hit his ball into a red penalty area, 
uh, right beside the green on 13 and opted to take a lateral relief drop a lateral is lateral lateral relief option which is 17.1 d3 and under the lateral relief option you get to drop within two club lengths now it doesn't say that you have to drop in the fairway or the rough or the you know the area where that um est that, that estimated point is it just say it states that you have to drop within two club lengths no near the hole and so what happened what was fortunate with phil was that part of the relief area was on the putting green and so phil was able to drop his ball on the putting green uh, now if it had dropped on the putting green and rolled off he'd have to redrop if it had dropped on the fairway and rolled off the fairway onto the putting green you'd have to redrop so whatever area that you choose to drop into what area area whatever area of the course it needs to come to rest in the relief area in that area of the course uh, does that make sense roscoe yes it does to me you know i play at a course that has a situation like that on one hole in particular so you know i've been the beneficiary of uh, that particular type of relief uh yeah so it makes sense. Yeah. So it's uh, I've uh, given the ruling to a player. It was at uh, the Australian up in Sydney. Um, there's a couple of holes where it could happen. Mm. There, the third and the back of the seventh. Uh, so, yeah. Where I cracked the gel coat on uh, the sponsor's product by blading it into the uh, boat that they put at the back of that green. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Phil there, and got to drop it on the green. People wondering why. Um, well, that is permitted under that rule. So, all good, next. Okay, all good, next. So, this one is, uh, you've titled here, Phil Worsens Conditions. So, it's not often that you uh, see a player having to deal with worsens, worsening conditions, but uh, we'll just play the video and then give a bit of clarity around that. At number nine, now Phil Mickelson, same bunker. More than the right spot. Right. But how did we get the fly back like that? Yeah, that was a really interesting one. Uh, you can see, and you probably can't hear it that well, so you know it's on the YouTube site. So I'll jump over there, but. Yeah, essentially what's happened there is, was it Brandon Grace? Uh, Louis Oosthuizen. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Louis, Louis Oosthuizen had played a shot from the bunker, left a footprint right behind where Bill's ball was, and it effectively gave him a better lie. He he was saying that he, he the footprint had a re made a recess behind the ball, so he had that little bit of perfect sort of way of potentially um, getting access to the to the ball in the bunker. So what did he do? Yeah, so Phil and Louis both had their balls at the ninth hole during round three uh, in the bunker. And Phil uh, Louis played first, and that obviously marked Phil's ball. And so Phil then replaced his ball on the spot. Now, if his lie had been altered, uh, he'd need, because it was in sand, he'd need to recreate his lie. And the lie is the spot of the ball or, say, sand 
touching or right next to the ball. But this recess, uh, I think you said, this heel mark was a little bit further back, which wouldn't have been uh, in the lie of the ball, but would have been affecting Phil's conditions. And so effectively under 8.1, if someone else worsens your conditions after your balls come to rest, then you are permitted to... um, you are permitted to uh, correct that or uh, you know alter the situation so that you don't have the worsened conditions. But what actually happened with Phil and Louis was Louis actually improved Phil's conditions. And so he didn't actually, because he would have been able to get at the ball a little bit easier, or that's what he's saying. And so he didn't actually need to uh, change uh, that, you know, that ch- change that improvement. There was no... There was nowhere in the rules that um, said that he needed to worsen the improvement that uh, of the conditions by the, the other player. But Phil, um, who seems to have had a bit of a change of heart around the rules since his US Open gaffe, um, was making sure that you know he wasn't going to be seen to be a Patrick Reed and wanted to remove this potential improvement um, by Louis's foot. And so he got the rake, or the referee gave him the rake, and um, he raked out this little cliff that, uh, that potentially was an improvement. So there was nothing absolutely wrong. He was totally within the rules of leaving, it, leaving Louis's heel print there, which effectively gave him potentially an easier shot as, as opposed to playing directly off the sand. Um, he was just he just replaced his ball where it was marked, correct? Yep, he and, replaced his ball where it was marked. And, and then uh, um, if his lie had been altered, he would need to um, recreate the lie, but his lie wasn't altered. It was the conditions about two or three inches behind his ball. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so he rakes it out and uh, makes it somewhat a normal, I guess, normal life, considering, you know, the way it was before Louis put his um, size 12 heel print there. Yeah. Yeah, very good. And his US uh, Open gaff, you know, talking about when he went nuts and hit the ball in motion. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, he hit the uh, the ball in motion on the green. Well, he's, uh, I think a lot of people have forgotten about that. And all I can think about now is Phil, the 51-year-old, major winner and beat some significant uh fended off some significant challenges you know all in the name of Brooks Kepka who was I think was pretty uh I wouldn't say odds on even though he's coming back from you know that that leg injury still clearly but you know his his USPGA um title stands stands him in good stead and he proved that he turns up for that event so it was it was great to see I I took a lot out of Phil's win especially you know, someone it it goes to say how you know, it goes to show you how big an uh, impact technology is having on the game when Phil was now fifty and hitting it further than he was when he was twenty five, thirty, thirty five, forty. Uh, it's uh, you know it's a massive a massive change in technology. Yes. Yep. You're right. That's uh, and you know if you're one of the rollback type uh, 
crew, you know, you'll you'll jump all over that. The fact is, you know, he's playing against the same people with access to the same technology, and they've got the relative gains relative to their youth, strength, size, speed, and all points otherwise considered. Um, and if it's the thing that's given someone at 51 years old more longevity against some of these young up-and-comers, well, that might be one thing. But, you know, I think there was more aspects around Phil's win than, than technology, and it was more around, you know, the work that he's done on his mental game, uh, his preparation, and just his determinedness to, to not see age as, you know, a, a barrier to, to competing at the highest level against the, the highest level of comp competitors in the world. And, uh, you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of people like me that, as I said, getting towards that age, uh, looked at that very admirably admirably sorry and um you know for what it means to me i've taken a little bit of heart out of that and you know maybe i'm not done yet blakey maybe i'm not done yet mate who said you were done well no one said i was done no one but but when you get to and i'm sure a lot of the the guys and girls out there that we know are probably in the generation of you know between yourself and myself and maybe even older um you know, had had some level of thought around this. I'd be interested to hear any feedback if they had some emotional sort of connection to seeing someone that's had won on the seniors tour for Jeepers Weepers, you know, in the same year, you know, beating the younger guys. If they had, if they got any encouragement, excitement, like a, a bit of renewed sort of pep in their step after seeing that happen. I know I did. I'd be interested to see what the others did. Anyway, let's move on to the next. Um, well, the ne- uh, oh, just before on. we move on. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, my golf actually has been going quite well lately, and I see your golf um, hasn't quite been going as well. And uh, I'm actually getting pretty close to you now, Roscoe. What's your uh, what's your GA handicap now? I don't, I don't, I don't look at it. Well, I, I, I can tell you that it's four point nine. Thanks very much. And I'm currently at five point nine. I've come down. One, two. I've come down two since Ooh. this time last year. Ooh. Ooh. I've only played five times or recorded a, a score five times, but uh, I've come down 2.0. And uh, we're just looking at your handicap. It's now at 4.9. And well, explain Feb- to explain. February this year, the start of February this year, you were on 3.4. So, yeah, and how many, ra- how many rounds have I? dropped in there between then and then this is this is probably the more telling tale of my golf well since the start of january you've played eight times or you've recorded a score eight times well that means i've played eight times maybe one other round other than that not a lot of golf to maintain that sort of level of handicap i've played four i've recorded a score four times and i've played on courses with many bunkers and and waste areas and challenges and, and all that sort of thing where have you played are you saying that the courses i play are not as difficult as the courses you play I am saying that one hundred percent correct. If you if you know you're pinning me down to you know my poor poor form, and obviously I'm getting a little bit agitated about that, David. Uh, um, so even though the amazing GA handicap system that we have, um, which takes into account all the different ratings and different par and mm. and slope ratings, uh, yeah, scratch ratings, poor, poor. All, although that takes into account all of that, you're saying that so, this that doesn't like- really show that uh, I play a lot of different courses, whereas you play one course all the time. One course. Peninsula Kingswood. Peninsula well, Kingswood, only for... Peninsula only for, Kingswood, only, only, Peninsula for Kingswood. only for handicap rounds. 
Right. I, have, I do play other courses, David, as you know. Well, you, you actually have thrown in a national here in a Mornington, but uh, Peninsula Kingswood, oh, there's a Royal Melbourne and a Bowen Heads. So Peninsula Kingswood makes up 16 of your 20 cor- last courses. And your point is? Well, hang on, I'm just counting. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I've got 13 different courses in my last 20. And uh, my, la- my 20th round was 8th of July 2018. So I don't really play that much. And just to, you know, just to see those scores and now I'm down to 5.9. So I'm really, I'm only 1.0 away from uh, having a lower handicap than you. The, the, the point really is, you know, how long, how long is it going to take me to be on a lower handicap than you? Well, it's really just me handing in cards, I think. Mikey, hold on. Sorry, I've got to, I've got to take this important phone call. Yep. Oh, sorry, mate. What was that you were saying? Sorry. What were you saying? So anyway, uh, let's get back to the uh, episode 40, um, talking about uh, some of the rule situations that uh, Phil Nicholson has been through. It must have been because that, you know, that sort of played to played the scratch handicap. To, uh, one dropped off or something like that. I don't know. You seem to be following my handicap much more closely than me, so... I, I should just call you. I don't need these apps that you make and, you know, I've got a vested interest in because, you know, you, you, you're building something that does, does pay your wages there, Blakey. So, uh, no, good, good work. Excellent, excellent analysis. Um, excellent value to the listeners about the, uh, you know, the challenges of me as a golfer, you know, not, you know, and a business person and, and operating and playing, trying to play the, the game at my highest level. Uh, but I'll get back there, Blakey. It's all right. I'm, I'm fairly confident. As I said, I was buoyed by Phil Nicholson. I haven't played a competition round maybe since then, so I have been buoyed by that. Thanks for looking up my um, private information on the uh, stuff, the sites that you got access to. Um, and what else is I going to say? Uh, yeah, I remember thinking, I think last time we played, you know, one of the times we played together, we, there might have been some level of competitive uh, spirit in there. I think you might have claimed a 12 handicap. I think, did you give yourself 12? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't yeah. higher than that. So, so let the listeners know... Uh, you claimed a 12 handicap. I said, what was the last you ever played off? He said, oh, one. Scratch. Yeah, well, we go, we go in um, form, you know, ups and downs of form. And uh, I just thought since you're... If you wanted to poke the bear, Blakey, you just poked <laughs> the bear. All right? Since, since but... you're, uh, you know, got such a low handicap, you're, you're someone I aspire to be better oh, that. Yeah. And, oh, uh, and I'd say by, by the end of the year... Um, you can't, can't my, ha- my handicap will be lower than yours. You've heard it here first. Well, let's just see. All right, let's just see. Okay. Anyway, next video. And um, the, uh, what have we got? Phil, someone touches. Uh, someone touched. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's play this one. Let's play this one. Like in the general vicinity, somebody thinks that the ball is right around in there. So, Okay, someone's uh, moved Phil's ball. Phil the entertainer. Yeah, so he's hit one a little bit offline. Apparently it was at rest. I mean, a lot of these, you're just going through the facts that you've been given from um, the crowd. Apparently someone picked it up and then they basically put it back. But because someone has picked it up, 
it's up to it's now uh, for the player so it's moved under 9.6 and no one saw that it was put back right you know on the spot that it was needed to be put back on so now uh, the player has gotten there heard the information they need to estimate where the ball uh, had come to rest and replace it so uh, it used to be a drop under the previous rules. Now it's a replace. Very good. Okay, let's keep moving on. Uh, so this one was Louis and Phil, uh, both uh, coming unstuck. Uh, what round was this? The last round? Was it the last round? No, it wasn't the last round. No, this was round three. Round three, yeah. And there was a lot of uh, conjecture around this one. Louis was teasing. Right side of the beach club. Oh boy. Uh oh, keep it up oh, on that. Man. Oh, it's done it again. It's that same miss. Oh, no, That's the miss we saw in New Orleans in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We saw it 10 today, which uh, foreshadowed this one as well. We discussed it there. Mm. There like that on Thursday at 17 that uh, found the water, led to a double. Where is he going to play the next one? You're right, that's because they walk all the way back to that scene. There's a cross water all the way, so uh, not sure if that has crossed anywhere. Hope all these circles aren't distracting him. Yeah, close your eyes. Oh my god, uh -oh, he's done it too. He's snap two one. in a row. Yeah. Oh, there it is. No, the fear close. of the right side, Nick. You yeah. called it. Yeah. Oh, man, that is really cool. well, got away with it. I'm not so sure it crossed up, uh, no, up anywhere really close. Well, there you go. Lou and Phil both put in the drink. Yeah, so really interesting. Um, we can see from the blimp, and, you know, for all of these videos, you're more than welcome to go and check them out on YouTube, and um, you can hear the commentators. You can see the vision, uh, the footage. Uh, the blimp showed that both Louie and Phil's balls didn't cross the red penalty area uh, or didn't cross near the fairway. Um, so they might, you know, they should have both teed off again uh, from the tee on that 13th hole. But Phil did. He's saying, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it didn't cross. Uh, whereas he was very sure that Louis had crossed, and Louis used that information to proceed up to um, taking a lateral drop um, into the rough. And then, because he then had interference from a sprinkler head, uh, he actually got to drop his ball um, after that into the fairway. So, yeah, go and have a look and check it out. Um, basically, you know, they have to go on the facts. If they got some information from possibly the blimp, then they, you know, they both would have teed off again, but uh, Louis got his, inf his information from Phil, and Phil was pretty adamant that Louis had crossed, uh, even though evidence showed otherwise uh, afterwards. So, you know, was it wrong? Well, yes, but the information at hand was 
um, that they both thought that it had crossed. Uh, that's Louis' ball. So you, you're using the information that you have at hand, basically. Well, it didn't benefit Louis because he didn't win, but uh, probably had an opportunity to, but uh, didn't. Obviously, wasn't playing well enough. Uh, okay, last video we've got here uh, involves Brandon Grace. Let's uh, play this one. Um, interesting one. This one buried buried in some sand. Brandon Grace appears to be waiting for a ruling. Let's bring in our rules expert, Brad Gregory. Yeah, Pierce, uh, Brandon, his uh, ball is embedded in that penalty area. He's uh, asked for a, a rules official. There would be no free relief here uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, the ball's in a penalty area, and even if it wasn't just if it was outside into the sandy area, uh, you would get no relief for a ball that's embedded in sand, uh, not in a closely mown area. But what's interesting here, I mean, this ball looks like it's been there a while. I, I'm, I think he's probably going to have to mark it and make sure it's his. We'll see. Okay, so Brandon Grace, he is in a red penalty area and his ball is buried in the sand. Blakey, what happens there? Uh, yeah, so no free relief because his ball was embedded in a penalty area. Obviously no free relief for a ball in a penalty area that's embedded. Uh, but just, you know, let's talk about whether you get free relief for a ball embedded in sand that was in the rough or... Uh, or the fairway. Uh, in the rough, no, you would not get uh, free relief for a ball embedded in sand in the rough. Uh, but in the fairway, yes, you would get relief from ball embedded in um, the sand in the fairway. So, uh, you know, a couple of reasons why he wasn't going to get relief and therefore he took uh, another lateral um, relief option situation so uh, yeah and then he dropped he ended up dropping it in the sand in the rough it had, if it had plugged from his drop embedded from his drop he wouldn't have got relief from that either so uh, he'd have to have played it otherwise and he made a pretty good shot and I think he made his putt for a par on the par five okay well, that covers off uh all of those scenarios that uh, you've highlighted from the PGA it's a few weeks ago now, but uh, is anything else popped up uh, that we haven't covered off in other recent tournaments? We've, there's been a few of them. Anything else uh, uh, come to mind? Nothing that I can think of uh, that was really out there. Um, you know, they had some winds or some weather situations. I think in the tournament might have been the Byron Nelson. Um, but you know, similar situations to suspending play and then resuming play. But no, nothing, uh, nothing else that's really popped up. Uh, well, we've got the U.S. Open another week or so away, and uh, we know that was the scene of Patrick Reed's abomination of uh, situation there. Following the Twitters last night, it would appear that uh, allegedly the burner account that uh, is reported to be operated by Patrick's wife, Justine, has resurfaced and started uh, engaging with the fans. So um, it'll be interesting to see who he gets paired with and uh, how the course is set up. Yeah, will that rough there at Torrey Pines be as spongy and bounce bounceable uh, as it was last time? Can't wait to see that.
It'd be really cool to see Brooks, Bryson, and Patrick in the same group, wouldn't it? Could sell tickets to that. That could be the um, you know, the box on at the end. Yeah, my and the mile of golf. I suggested for a charity, of course, and um, don't condone violence. But uh, you know, they should settle it way some of our rugby league players uh, do. You know, they don the gloves, get into the ring, um, slug it out for some charity, and you know, winner takes winner takes all for winner's charity, and and see see you later. So, uh, what do you think of the whole Bryson Brooks thing? Uh, you know, I'm a probably not the world's biggest fan of this uh, player incentive program that they put in place. Um, you know, paying phenomenal amounts of money for not only performance, you know, results, but you know, profile, um, media, pro, um, you know, appearances, all of that sort of thing, you know, basically keeping the PGA Tour name out there in the media, which I get, makes perfect sense. But to put such an amount of money on on that, I just don't, I just don't get that. I think, I think there's better ways that they could spend that amount of money to make golf as attractive as possible for the masses, and we're talk- when I say masses, you know, there's obviously those of us that will watch it without having to, you know, read Bryson's or Brooks's, you know, piff or see that or see Phil win at 51 years old. But, you know, we're going to watch that no matter what. But, you know, we need to talk to, you know, the people where golf's on the periphery of their interest levels. And I don't think, you know, incentivizing these guys to tweet more, do more Instagram posts, you know, the PGA Tour should take a leaf out of some other sports that have grown their viewership exponentially and dramatically. And I'll take case in point, and I've talked about Formula One as a before, but Formula One with what they've done with Netflix. You know, I think you know when I hear my son talk about Formula One you know, with such a, a broad breadth of knowledge, uh, that to me says that they've done something right. And I hadn't watched that Formula One uh, Netflix documentary and. You know, I was pretty involved in, in the car business and Formula One. You know, I stood beside, you know, Lewis Hamilton's car one day in McLaren's workshop while they pulled it apart after he, the day after he won at Silverstone with the mechanics as they stripped his car down. So I've been up close and personal to Formula One. He knows stuff, my son, that I would not dream of because he's watched that Netflix. And I just think that there's other stuff that they can do. So do you think that uh, the Brooks Bryson thing is really just a big play between them to increase their PIP? Well, if my response to your question has insinuated that, no, I don't think it is because I just genuinely think that there's not a a mutual level of admiration or respect there for each other. You know, despite what Bryson sort of says, you know, there's an article I read the other day where, you know, he, said, he kept referring to it because the media was probing on this situation and he just said, well, I'm flattered. You know, people were calling him Brooksy. That was right. You know, so it was alleged that Bryson was pointing out people who were yelling out, calling him Brooksy and getting them escorted off the property. And then when he was probed on that by the media, he basically responded and said, well, no, I'm not sure, you know, about that. I was just, you know, I'm flattered that people want to do that. You know, it tells me that, you know, they've got a level of interest in me you know, my performance that, you know, whatever, you know, you can read it yourself. It's out there more times than anything. Um, do I think it's staged? No, I don't think it is staged. I, I don't think there's an admiration there, but, you know, it's just, it's just a shame that it's happening. You know, of course every sport's got its villain and its heel and all that sort of thing. That's, that's pretty normal. But 
you know, I think within them, you know, the question has to be asked, you know, are they, are they doing it so they can maintain their, maintain their position, you know, in terms of media point scoring? Um, are they doing it? Are they, are they happy to maintain it and not come out and shake hands and sit down and, you know, break bread, so to speak? I don't know. Uh, that's a question mark for me. What about you? Uh, I think they just have a genuine disgust for each other. Well, Brooks certainly did, and uh, Brighton probably hasn't helped the situation. And then, uh, yeah, it's certainly helping the PIP. Um, obviously, thinking about it now, uh, was that that wasn't the start of it, but no. uh, but they are going to reap the rewards from it now. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I've I've liked sort of Brooksy up until this point, um, how he's handled it, because I sort of, you know, am not really that keen on Bryson and how slow he is and how he overthinks things to the nth degree, and I don't think that's in the entertainment. Uh, but then when Brooksy sort of, you know, with Michelob. Um, did that call out for here's some free cases of beer for those people annoying Bryson? Uh, I didn't. I thought that went a bit too far. And once again, you know, drawing alignments to PIP, and we're not qualified to give such definitive opinions on it. But you know, if you've got a big sponsor like Nickelob, and they realise this, you know, you're, you're the marketing guy. You're you're going to try and extrapolate some value out of that. And I get that too. You know, that's entrepreneurial thinking. That's marketing and business thinking. You know, that's why you pay for assets and and, and people to endorse your product, like uh, Brooks Kepka. I get it. I just think that they could channel forty million bucks into doing something to better the game in a different way. But I'm just an armchair expert like me, you, Rocket. Whoever else is involved or wants to listen to this sort of stuff, and you know, we can get to, we get to prattle this out stuff for free. You know, we we're not media experts. We're not in the media cordon every week, every day. We're not media anything. We're just two dudes doing a podcast. In my case, three podcasts. Um, yeah. Anyway, have you watched Netflix and the Formula One stuff? No, I haven't. I watched Sea Spiracy last night for the first time. Okay, I haven't watched Sea Spiracy. Wow, well, you probably won't eat fish ever again if you watch it. Okay, well, it's not talking about promoting sport or fishing. Oh, is it about fishing, is it? The sport uh, yeah, fishing. commercial fishing. Commercial, yeah, okay. But the Netflix stuff, you know, just I've only watched a couple of episodes, but the way that they set up Christian Horner and Toto Wolf, uh, it, it's it's great just to watch. It's 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 more like uh, theatre than, than anything, and, and I can see why people get engaged with it. I'm sure there are people that don't like watching it or whatever. They think, oh, yeah, whatever, they're just setting it up. But... I, I do I do find it enjoyable to watch and just the proof is so many people have watched it, so many young people have watched it and then they become Formula One experts. And I've had this conversation with several people when they bring it up, I go, I probe them on it. I ask, how did you get into that? Did you have a background in cars? Did you blah, 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 blah. And they said, no, no, we just found it on Netflix and watched it and now we've watched every season. So anyway. I wonder if something similar happened with basketball after the Michael Jordan thing because that was amazing. Quite, well, quite possible. Absolutely. I think everyone's sort of learning a bit. So, you know, the Tiger yeah. documentary... Well, I um, think the Tiger documentary was totally crap, really. 
you know, it was interesting, but it was nothing that we really hadn't heard too much. It was just, it was probably just uh, the opinion of all these people that were on the other side of Tiger because they'd he'd, uh, yeah. he'd burned them for some reason. And once again, as always, we're digressing, but we're allowed to because it's the first time we've spoken in a while. But um, well, you, never, you never know. It could be the Golfers Questions and Opinions podcast. Well, uh, there was one thing that I popped up uh, that I popped up that I saw recently pop up, uh, which I watched it two times in a row. It was on late night, and you know it was on Foxtel and on sort of set time recycle. It was on one night. And I watched two thirds of it, and then the next night I watched the full lot of it, and that was the uh, open films uh, on um, the Ryder Cup in France, and it was just the full behind the scenes of the uh, European team victory. Shows them from before they get together. Shows them in the. Yeah, a lot of people probably watched it, so I'm not going to repeat it. But it was it was great, and it's it's great to see the other side of these golfers, these guys that we admire so much. It's great to hear them talk off camera and see how they hang out with each other. I find that very engaging. I thought I saw something on Instagram this morning and I don't know why it uh, came into my vision, uh, whether someone's just released a book or released a movie or something. It was Andre Agassi uh, and it was really interesting. It was about how he had lost to Boris Becker uh, three times, first three times he played him, and then he analysed um, his service game and how he moves his tongue around in his mouth depending on where he's going to hit the ball. You know, if if tennis are going to do something similar, um, you know, or Andre Agassi's done something, so it might have already popped out. I don't know. Uh, that would be very interesting to watch. I think I think that's an, an amazing game to sort of play because. You know, it's it's that match play type situation, and you're waiting for the other person to do something. And you know, they could pull an amazing shot out of their bag, but really, it's just you know, it's it's the pressure of the situation. Uh, and when you when you can pull these shots out, you know, you could have the easiest shot to make, and you miss it uh, because you you're thinking about it too much, and you have the hardest shot to make, and you you know, you think, oh, I can do this, and and you make it. So. I'd love to watch a documentary on that sort of um, tennis because, as I said, it's it's very similar to match play. Blakey, let's uh, let's we could talk on this stuff forever. Let's wrap this up. So we had some housekeeping uh, last week's back uh, last week. Mm. Last episodes last back, month. Last month, like five weeks ago. Last episodes uh, background bingo. So I had a picture. Did anyone pick it? Did anyone get it? Did it um, no, and and. Um, I say no, but um, to be honest, um, I haven't gone back and checked. You know, it's been that long, so I'll say no. Where was it? I didn't even pick it. Uh, it was uh, Donegal, West Coast Island, County Donegal. Uh, Donegal Mervar Golf Club, and might have been on the third or the fourth hole. Beautiful little peninsula-type links. Dune, typical Irish, you know, high up and down, Dune course. And that's looking back to Donegal Town beautiful part of the world uh, well mine uh, and this is actually in line with uh, my friend Henry Peters and I doing some something different to just the rules of golf we went up to the Alpine region of Victoria uh, for Myrtleford Bright and Mount Beauty and that was 
the background on the 11th hole at Myrtleford. So, um, yeah, we enjoyed our trip up there. Uh, we've obviously filmed some rules videos that will come out uh, over the next coming uh, weeks and months, but uh, we also uh, filmed, you know, just a little bit of promotion, promotional video about that region of um, Victoria, so which was really good, and we're, we're hoping to do a bit more. And as you said, when we got to uh, 5,000, we went and did Victoria, and you and I uh, went and did, uh, got out to Lonsdale. But uh, yeah, Henry and I went and did some more of Victoria, and then 10,000, we said we're going to get to Tassie, so uh, hopefully we'll get to Tassie soon, and then 20,000, we're going to get to New Zealand. So um, we do, we are planning to get to New Zealand by the end of the year. Um, you know, we're hopeful of getting 20,000 by the end of the year and, and to New Zealand by the end of the year. Mate, I've already got Dave Dobbin, Slice of Heaven, waking me up every morning. Da, 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 ba, bo, da, da. So I uh, can't wait for that to happen. I see, now, uh, on, on that, uh, sorry to cut you off again, I see... Um, you've really let me have it this episode, mate. I'm, I, know, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to recover, to be honest. I'm back, I'm excited. Uh, Crowded House just mm. released a new album. Yeah, I was listening to it yesterday. It's it's not as good as their, or it's different to their first few. So uh, check it out if you're a crowd house fan. So now you're a music expert as well, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I like their old stuff. Golf rules, questions, opinions, and music opinions. I've had um, a lot of Blake. opinions, haven't I? <laughs> mm. uh, well, we've got obviously got a couple of background bingos here for you. Uh, mine's pretty obvious. Um, yours, not so obvious, looks very nice. Very good. Okay, you can sit up now. Uh, Blakey, thanks again. Well, thanks well, for you. Actually, sorry, you sorry, you could see it, but I've got to make noises to make sure that I'm on camera. So uh, where does everyone think that one is? Um, obviously, you can see some kind of um, village or town or city in the background. Uh, go for it, Roscoe, sorry. Do we have a question this week? Yeah, we do. Uh, Golf Rules question of the week 40. Do you want to read it if you've got it in front of you? Uh, I don't have it in front of me. You didn't send it to me. You've kept me in the dark. You've berated me, upset me, offended me, and now you kept me in the dark. Where's this going? Well, well I did send it to you, uh, but you obviously didn't click on the link. Um, do you want me to keep padding while you're no, trying to you find not, it? No, or you've got, you I've got it here. The answer is I've got, I've got your link while I was away. Yeah, it, was right, it was right down the bottom. Oh, on page two. Okay. I'll retract that. There okay. Let me do my job. Uh, during the break, I was able to get up to the Alpine region. Yes, okay. I well, don't, do you? We've got that one. No. <laughs> move, <laughs> move down. If anyone's thinking that this isn't prepared, no, I'll just prove it wrong. There's notes. There are notes. Golf rules question of the week, question 40, uh, episode 40. Okay. Fraser. G'day uh, to Fraser over there in the UK. How are you, sir? Good to reconnect. Fraser walks into the bunker that his ball is at rest in and tests the depth of the sand with his feet by digging when it taking a reasonable stance. Digging in while taking a reasonable stance. Does Fraser incur any penalties? Very good. I'll read that again. Fraser walks into the bunker that his ball is at rest in and tests the depth of the sand with his feet by digging in when taking the reasonable stance. Does Fraser incur any penalties? All right, Fraser, you're right, Paul. Thanks for that, sir. sir, Sean Connery. No, that wasn't my Sean Connery impersonation. I can actually do that, but uh, no, I won't. 
Well, Blakey, thanks. Uh, that's the question. Uh, Ivers, there's probably a couple, but uh, no, don't worry about that. What was your... Where was your last one? Myrtleford. We covered your last bit. Yeah, yeah, my, okay. my last one was Myrtleford. Um, now, just to obviously, you know, you've fired, fired me up. Uh, I was going to say fired and inspired, but, uh, you know, I'm more fired than inspired uh, by your chiding over my handicap using, you know, access to my information that you have access to, to purport, you know, I'd just say low handicap, fairly low handicap. No one really cares if it's going up, where it's at, how many rounds I've played, where they're No one cares. All right. They just need to have the confidence that, you know, I can hit a golf ball fairly reasonably well most of the time. Correct? Three months ago. Right. Okay. No, no just answer, ask the question. Do do the listeners do just need, as by way of qualification of my self-proclaimed position as golf expert in this and the other podcasts that I'm part, party to, do they just need to have an understanding that I can hit the ball okay? Yes. Correct? And I've seen no, 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 you hit question. the ball and you're very good. Yes? Yes. Okay. So you've obviously had some successes in your little golfing jaunts up there to no bunker country land. Um, what did what did you win? What did you win? Tell oh, like, this is your chance. To, this is your time to shine, David. It's not about what I win. No, no. What did you win? Oh, like seventy dollars worth of vouchers. Okay, okay. I'll probably never spend. Nice handwritten out little notes there. You know, well done, David. A grade winner. Good job. Excellent. What did I win in the same time, David? Uh. Your own prizes from your um, no 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 Ambrose competition. No, I happened to win at the Mazda Foundation Day, David. I won the longest drive. Oh, little little cool. approaching, you know, fifty year old Phil Mickelson esque, you know, um, <laughs> old dude like me. And the first prize of the day is the longest drive, and the winner is who's this? What's this fellow's name? Ross Flanagan. Let's hear it for Ross Flanagan. And all I can hear is a slow clap. Of the 30-somethings going, oh, we've got outdriven by 50 by this old fella. Oh, you won a driver as well, didn't you? Yeah, I won the driver. Not the long, I won the driver. So you, you, you've cracked it for 70 bucks of local <laughs> vouchers, and I've won a driver. Thanks, thanks very much. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Oh, well, I was going to give it to you, wasn't I? That's right. I forgot. You were. <laughs> I sold it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Um, <laughs> if you have a corporate event that you want to invite me to for um, long driving, I'm open. I'm open. If you want your 12 handicapper to come, he's open too. <laughs> you know where to get us. Email us and uh, we'll see you next time on the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Thanks for listening.